Our scripture passage today is, comes from the gospel according to Luke, chapter 16, verses 10 to 12. Before we read this, let us pause for a moment in prayer. Our good and heavenly God, we come before your word today, Lord, as pilgrims seeking the way, Lord, as beggars with our hands out for your gifts, for your food that give us life. Father, we know that your word is truly our life, for we cannot live upon bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. As we read these words, Father, I pray that you grant us your spirit that we may hear and that we may understand. Father, pray that you bless this holy reading of your holy word, and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is the gospel according to Luke chapter 16, verses 10 to 12. Listen now to the word of the Lord. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I came across a question on the internet the other day, and it was one of those questions where you read it and you think, this is ridiculous. Why would somebody even bother asking this question? But it's also a question, the more you think about it, you find out you might have a hard time actually answering such a question, no matter how ridiculous it is. And what made it worse is the person who asked this question was not only, I could tell, an unbeliever, but they were trying to be antagonistic to people who believed. They were trying to uh, just kind of poke us out a little bit, make fun of us and mock us. And they did so by posing this question that, like I said, sounds ridiculous, but when you think about it, it might be harder to answer if you sit down and think too long. The question was this, if heaven is so great, and if Christians think that living in heaven is going to be so much better than living on earth and they can't wait to get there, then why don't Christians just go ahead and kill themselves? Like I said, you look at that question like, well, that's kind of stupid. But then if you actually need to answer some of that question, you might find yourself a little more difficulty. And, you know, a lot of Christians answer this question and there were about 400 answers to it. You know, most of them were other atheists that were just kind of laughing at the hypocrisy of Christians. But most of the people that tried to answer the question said, the reason why you don't is because suicide is a sin and you shouldn't take your own life. Other people answer the question saying that you have to live in order to earn your way into heaven or that some other mystery of God. Now, what surprised me about this is that if you think about it, rather, 
you have to sit back and ask yourself, really, well, why do we live? I mean, if heaven is our goal, if getting there is our true goal in life, we all want to get there, and we know that that life is better than this life. I mean, we don't go so far as maybe is to take our own life, but maybe it might encourage some sort of daring or a cavalier attitude about life. You know, maybe we start riding around without our seatbelts on and take up smoking and drinking and eating M&Ms and ice cream for breakfast, you know? I mean, because, hey, quicker we get out of here, the better it's going to be with God, right? If God is in heaven and heaven is our joy, why waste more time here than we need to? But what really surprised me about this is, is looking at the answers from other Christians and seeing how many missed the real reason why if we believe heaven is better, that we don't just take our own lives now. And the reason why we don't is because life is a gift from God. Life is a sacred gift from God. And we believe that whatever God is accomplishing with this universe, whatever God is accomplishing with us, that there is a purpose for us living here and now. That there is a purpose for every single one of us living our life here in this moment that God has given us. And it is a sacred gift. It is a sacred trust that has been placed in the hands of every single man, woman, and child that is alive today. Yes, heaven is the goal. One day. But there's also a reason why we live here and now. And we all believe this, that life is a gift, that life is a sacred miracle, and every life on earth, every single life, has purpose and meaning. Now here in Lent, we're talking about living by faith. And that's our focus for this Lenten season, living by faith. And we, we contrast it with living with faith. And if you live with faith, you live with all the beliefs that a Christian does, but that faith has no impact on your life. It doesn't change your life. It doesn't change how you live. Whereas living by faith, which is what we're commanded to do, live by faith means the faith in what you believe makes a difference in your life. It changes how you live. It changes how you think. It changes how you interact with other people. And if we're going to live by this faith... The faith that life is sacred. The faith that life is a gift. That faith has purpose. If we're going to live by the faith that everything that God has given us, everything is a gift from Him. And we don't have anything. We don't have anything we possess in this life that is not a gift from God. How does that change how we live? How would that change how we live and act and interact in our daily lives. If we're going to live by faith that life is good, if we're going to live by faith that life is a gift of God, that means that we, all of us, should strive to be good stewards. That we should strive and make it our effort and make it our goal to be good stewards of everything that God has given us. I mean, you and I should put so much work and effort into taking care 
what God has given us. And he's given us all so much. Now, this idea goes in hand in hand with what we talked about last week. Last week, we talked about our faith in eternal life. And because we believe in eternal life, there's, well, we kind of hold on to this life a little loosely, like the old song says. We don't take things too seriously. We know that everything we have here is going to pass away eventually. And as we live in this life, we also want to invest in eternal life. We also want to do what Jesus said, building up for ourselves treasures in heaven. And that means doing things in this life that don't make a whole lot of sense and don't bring us a whole lot of profit in the here and now. But at the same time that we do this, in the same time we live with our eyes to heaven, with a heart longing for the eternal life and investing in eternal life, at the same time we do that, we have respect and honor for the life that God has given us now in the flesh. If these ideas go hand in hand, and the Christian is called to live both ways. If we have our feet in, on earth, and we live on this earth, we live now, we live knowing that God is accomplishing something good in us right now, even though our ultimate goal is to be with Him forever one day. And our ultimate goal is knowing that our gift and our promise and everything is going to come to a fulfillment and a life later to be with God forever, but it's having the same faith and confidence that the miracle he's working in us right now is in the life we live right now. And that this life on earth and this life on the flesh, even though it passes away, this life has value. And this life has purpose. And this life has meaning. And the way that we accomplish the purpose God has given for us is by being good stewards. It's by taking care of the things God has invested in us in this life. Jesus tells a parable about a man who used dishonest wealth in order to make friends. And instead of condemning the man for doing this, Jesus commends him and says he actually did the right thing with his wealth. He took something worldly and he did something heavenly with it. He did something good. And then he reminds his disciples with this. He says, if you're faithful in a little bit, then you will be trusted with much. If you're faithful in the little bit that you've been given here and now, and that shows you can be trusted maybe with more. And in the same way he says, if, if you can't be faithful in the little bit you've given now, if you can't be faithful in the treasures that I've given you, which are the cheap ones, which are the transitory ones, the treasures that pass away, the treasures that we know don't have real ultimate value, if you can't be responsible in those treasures, then why can't I give you the real ones? You know, it's like you, you buy your kid a cheap Hyundai, and he goes out and wrecks it. First thing you think is, well, I think he needs a new Mercedes now. I think, son, you can't be responsible in this cheap car I've given you. Why am I going to give you the real nice, expensive one? If we can't give, be good stewards of the gifts God has given us here, these earthly, cheap treasures, can he trust us? with the really valuable ones. Much of the purpose God's working through us is through stewardship of those gifts 
that he's given us. It's how we use how we use all the gifts and all the opportunities that God has placed in our life. It's about being good stewards. And if you're not sure what stewardship means, to, to be a good steward is to act responsibly with something you have been given. With what God has given you, to be a good steward is to act responsibly with it. And the, the first part of that is simply to care for it. Right? You've got to treat it well. You've got to protect it. You don't want it to get, to get wasted or just fall to rack and ruin. Don't let it get abused or neglected or stolen. But to steward it is also to increase something, to see it grow, see it become more abundant, more fruitful. Like being a good steward of a garden is working to see that it produces as much fruit and flower as it possibly can. But being a good steward is also putting something to good use. And to be a good steward of the gifts God has given us is to put them to good use, is using the gifts God has given us to glorify Him and to edify and help our fellow human beings. And this is what it means to be good stewards, to care for something, to increase something, and to use it. Okay, care, increase, and use. Care, increase, and use. That's how we're good stewards. And we're supposed to be good stewards of everything God has given us. Even some of these cheap, worldly, earthly treasures He's given us, we need to be good stewards of those to care, increase, and use them for His glory and for other people's good. That means your possessions as well, your house, your property, your money. And if God has given us money, we need to care for it. That means don't waste it on things. Don't waste at least too much. You can have some fun with your money, but... Don't waste it completely. Also, is to be a steward of that money is to increase it, invest it well, save it right. See, that money increases and grows. And then once you've got it, use it for good. Use it. Use your money, tithe that you're supposed to give to God. Use it to help other people that need it. And, you know, if you're one of those people that God has blessed with a lot of money, that He's given you lots of opportunity to use that gift, to steward it well, to increase it, and to, to share it and use it for God's glory and to help other people. Same is true of our house as well. Your house is a gift of God. And if we're being responsible with God's gift, we're going to steward that house well. Now, you know, that means to care for your house. You don't have to be Martha Stewart cared, okay? We don't have to be this perfect, immaculate house. But you know how to care for it. Keep it in good repair. Fix it. Have it reasonably clean. Keep the yard cut. Use your lawn for a good purpose. And an increase, it doesn't mean the house has to get bigger, but maybe make it better than it was when you found it. Make your little improvements on it. And then use it. Use it for God's glory. Use it to help others. And if God has blessed you with a lot of house, then you have an opportunity to do some wonderful things with that house. Maybe host a Bible study or a church fellowship or, or house somebody that has lost their house. Or I don't know. I just read we're going to take 100,000 Ukrainian refugees into this country. Maybe you'll house a Ukrainian refugee family in your home. Who knows? It's your house. You figure out how to use it. But use it for God's glory and use it for the good of others. There's so many gifts God has given us, and, and, and money and property, they're really just the tip of the iceberg. 
And they're not the most valuable, deepest gifts He's given us. But we have to steward them all. We have to be stewards of the people in our life. Yes, the people. They are a gift of God that we all need to steward. Our relationships. You care for them. Okay, you got to put effort into it. you got to be kind and forgiving with people. you got to pay attention to them. you got to increase that relationship. Make it deeper. Make it more meaningful. And yes, you even use that. Use your contacts, your influence with people to glorify God and to help them and to help others. We're called to be stewards of our minds as well. God's given each and every one of us a mind. No matter what you think of it or what you think of others' minds, you have one and you're supposed to use it. You're supposed to care for it. Okay, don't let it fall into disrepair. And, you, and you've got to increase your knowledge. You learn, you study, you read. And you use that knowledge for good. You use that knowledge and you, even, you pass it along. You teach others. You teach others what you know when you use that to keep knowledge going from one generation to the next. We have to be good stewards of our talent. And all of us have talents. No matter what you might think of them, you have a talent. And you are meant to care for it, to increase it, learn about it. Find out how to get better at that talent. Find someone with the same talent as you that you can learn from so you can come better at that talent. And then use it to glorify God. Use it to edify the life of your fellow human beings. We also have to be good stewards of our bodies Right? These are a gift of God as well, every single one of us, and we're not always the best stewards of these. And, and, and it's hard being a good steward of your body because no matter how good you take care of your body, how well you take care of it, it's still going to break down. You know, it's like a car. As long as you drive it, eventually you're going to have problems with it. But take care of it. God gave you your body as a gift. All right, you would hate to come give someone an expensive gift and, and then find it sitting out in the yard getting rained on and rusty and swollen with all the time and air and, you know, disuse. Try to take care of it. Give it good food. Give it some exercise, some rest, and some sunshine. But don't be afraid to use it either. Use it for a holy purpose. And sometimes we have to take risk with our bodies as well. Risk for God, risk for the gospel, and risk for other people. Now, every time I talk about stewardship and gifts, there's some that, well, they worry they don't have a whole lot. They worry, they say, oh, I don't have a lot of gifts. I don't have much. Unfortunately, when people say that, they usually mean they don't have much money. But that's just one thing that we can steward. And if you don't have a lot of money, then don't worry about it. You don't have a lot of responsibility to steward the money then. Your responsibility is somewhere else. But God has given you something. In fact, God has given you much. And instead of worrying about what you don't have, or instead of being envious of what other people have, perhaps a better use or a better stewardship of your time is to figure out how to use what God has given you to the best of your ability. And I want to tell you something as well. You don't have to be a world changer. 
All right, you don't have to be, go out there and be a world beater. And that's something that our, our society seems to be pushing on us again and again. You've got to go change the world. And we tell kids that even from like kindergarten. We're telling them that they're going to go out and change the world. And you've got to go change this and make this big impact on other people's lives. And you've got to you know, save the world and save the forest and change history. I'm going to free you of that right now. You don't have to change the world, okay? You surely don't have to save the world. We've already got a Savior. We don't need another one. You don't have to change history, all right? That's a little bit of a tall order, and that's a lot of pressure to put on a little five-year-old in kindergarten that he's got to go out there and change the world and change the course of history, all right? You don't have to do that. That is not your purpose. What you have to do is be faithful with what God has given you. Don't worry about changing the world. You just be a good steward of whatever gifts God has given you. Care for it. Increase it. And use it. And I think that's plenty for one life without the extra added burden of changing the course of human history. But when we do this, we live by faith. When we care for the gifts that God has given us, we are living out the faith that He is the one that gave them. And when we use the gifts God has given us, when we use the things God has given us, we are living out the faith that what God is doing has a purpose and that our life has meaning. We might not always know what that purpose is, but we believe it's good. And friends, we believe that life is good. We believe that life is worthwhile. And that every moment of it, the good times and the bad, the hardships and the victory, every moment is worth it because this is what God gave us. And no matter how bad it gets, or how bad that we just want to hurry up and be, with, be in heaven, either because we want to be done with this life, or, or maybe we miss somebody that we know is waiting for us on the other side. No matter how bad it gets, we still carry on. No matter how dark it is, we still bear the light. No matter how many times that we've been hurt, we still make the risk of loving other people. We still care for and we use the gifts of God for the glory of God. And we do this because we believe it matters. We believe it means something. And as long as there are people in the world who live out their faith in God, as long as there are people who live out their faith in this project of God's that we call life, as long as we're willing to do that, then life will be worth it. For wherever in this world God finds faith, He will find life every bit as good as it was meant to be. To God be all the glory forever and ever. Amen.